Cofield and Company NFL insider Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now. Five o'clock hour. Damon is in the Finley Toyota Studios. Candy in Vegas. Cofield on the road in lovely Fresno. Man, I can't wait to hit the town tonight. I I, I sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. Uh, UNLV plays tomorrow uh, against Fresno State. A later start on the road against the Bulldogs, and actually a big night around the Mount West Conference. We'll preview that around 45 of this hour. You know, it was weird, Candy. Last week, we all, we all got kind of hunkered down on Radio Row, and we were doing a bunch of interviews, and we actually didn't see a lot of our regulars because they were so busy. Miles is one of the guys. I know. I don't think I – Miles, did we see each other? Was it just passing at a moment? You must have been slammed last week. It, it was brief. Um, yes, I was. Uh, and, uh, yeah, because I – I can't by the, I don't even remember what day it was to be completely honest with you, but I was by there and like Adam uh, Hill and JVT were there and we talked for a little bit and you were, you know, doing your thing. You were working. So, yeah, I, I said hello. I, I did. I wouldn't, you know, come to your city and not say hello to you. That would be very rude. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was a, a very, very, very busy week. But I, I got to tell you, man, I, I love the Super Bowl being in Vegas. I thought it was awesome. I was going to ask you for your official report on it because Adam Hill actually wrote a column on uh, people getting after Las Vegas. I think there's one real valid complaint, and that was about trying to get around, which yeah. we've got to get a lot better at this. And locals know that our local politicians have done a real crap job uh, in partnership with the Strip by not having more uh, mm -hmm. public transit. But uh, beyond that, did you have any other issues? And I guess uh, add to that, what did you really like? Uh, this Super Bowl versus Super Bowls in the past. Well, I, I just like that everything is so centralized. And I, I said this to a couple of people. It reminded me of the combine being in Indianapolis where, like, I mean, and this is because partially because I was staying in Mandalay Bay. But, you know, if you are at Mandalay Bay or if you were at the Luxor where a lot of the media were, you really didn't have to go outside in order to get to where you needed to go most of the time, which I think is huge, you know? Um, and that's one of the great things about the Combine being in Indianapolis. Everything is so centralized. You walk through the convention center from hotel, uh, the hotels are connected. And, you know, especially because it's winter, you don't want to walk outside. And, you know, with the weather being as crappy as it was at the beginning of last week, that was really convenient. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I. I just like being able to walk up and down the strip. Like that's what I did most of the time. I know Saturday the traffic was just unbelievable out there, and I was going to a dinner with a couple of coworkers, and that was kind of a disaster because they're a little bit older, so they weren't necessarily about the walking as I was. And if I had just walked, then it would have taken me a lot less time than it did when we were sitting in the Uber. But other than that, and I get those complaints, but yeah, I, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I mean, you could feel the buzz. You could feel the energy throughout the entire week. It just built up more and more by the time the weekend got there. And then the game came, and I, I thought it was a great game too. So, yeah, I, I, I was into it. I thought the most important questions addressed by players with the media before and after the Super Bowl, and you can address whichever one you want, uh, one – uh, Brock Purdy, do you think you look like Lee Harvey Oswald? And two, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, when are you officially checked that? Uh, no, yeah. Um, what's your reaction to the fix being in as just a, a whole rig deal here so you guys can all endorse Joe Biden? Uh, what, what was the better question? Um, Lee, uh, yeah. I, CNN the better question did, is, did, what are yeah, people... CNN. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, the, the better question is, what are people in our profession doing, Steve? What has happened to the profession that I love? 
You know, what are we doing here, man? I mean, I, I get that, you know, on Radio, or not Radio Row, but opening night, which I will uh, admit that I did not attend this year because it's not for me, right? Like, I, I can go to all these other media availabilities and actually have good questions and get good answers. Um, but, you know, opening night, it's, it's I, I don't know who it's for, but I guess it's partially for fans now because they get to come in there and I don't really understand what's appealing about listening to dudes do interviews for uh, you know an hour or whatever it is but look people seem to really like it so get more power to them um but yeah i just man i some of those things and you know i i saw the cnn thing today and i retweeted it with the meme of the dude who's like ripping um the the headset off of his head because he doesn't like what he's hearing like that's the kind of stuff why are we even asking him that i know it's on cnn and i realize cnn you know they they've got money to make but like i don't why are we putting oxygen behind this crap like don't put oxygen behind bs you know at least the lee harvey oswald thing was a stupid meme like there are idiots in a-holes out there that like almost want to believe this conspiracy crap about this is fixed and that this is that and you know oh everything's rigged like go touch some grass guys like i, I just I, I find that crap frustrating man i really do miles i want to say something because steve's been beating around the bush steve's got a bone to pick with you and i'm going to read out the tweet to tell you why i find okay. it so all right here we go i find it so build. satisfying to watch greatness i just love it I've always loved it. I grew up watching Tom Brady and appreciated him and wanted them to go undefeated to see history. And I'm not old enough to remember Jordan, but what we've got now with Mahomes, I just love it. I agree with you, Miles Simmons. Thank you. Um, uh, what is the bone to pick with me? Why, why is there Steve? a bone? I don't agree with you. I'm what what don't you agree with? I'm very frustrated as a fan of an AFC team. I, I get it. It is cool <laughs> to watch greatness. I can appreciate it after it's done. But while we're going through it and watching the same team potentially, you know, be Goliath moving forward, it is really, really frustrating if your team sucks. It might be even more frustrating if you're one of these teams that does have that quarterback who's just just beneath Mahomes and you can't freaking turn the corner against the Chiefs. Oh, I, I'm sure it is. I mean, so uh, two of my really good friends, uh, one is a Bills fan, lives in Buffalo right now. The other is a Chiefs fan, lives in Kansas City. And, you know, the, the Bills fan has just was just all over, you know, the Chiefs all season long. La, la, la. Oh, my gosh, you guys suck. I can't believe this. Was so excited when they were going to play the Chiefs in Buffalo. La, la, la. And what happens, right? Mahomes does Mahomes things. Josh Allen doesn't make the throw at the end of the game that he needs to make and it ends up that the Chiefs win and so you know my, my Kansas City friend didn't talk that much stuff at that point but you know we kind of did and then after the game on Sunday it was just my Chiefs fan friend was just all up in the group chat blowing it up blowing it up okay. blowing it up and you know the only thing that I just kept saying was yeah Matt you gotta cope just cope like that's it like because he said something about how Travis Kelsey like pushed Andy Reid or whatever and he's like you know I thought that was terrible you know think of the kids watching it it's half sarcasm or whatever and I was like okay. yeah Matt cope harder cope harder that's all you got to do Candy are you with me that the Chiefs fans are actually getting to the point where they're acting like the Patriots fans oh I don't know that it's gone quite that far yet I think there's still too much Midwest nice uh mixed in you know to compare to people who would buy the Duncan tracksuit, but I, I do think that you know it, 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 it's going to happen somewhat naturally when 
you're as successful as they are. I got to go back to one thing here for you, for you, Miles. Josh Allen didn't make the throw. Were you hoping that he could run down there and catch it for Stephon Diggs? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I meant later on where he didn't oh, throw okay. to Steph Diggs on the crosser, and he okay. instead, you know, okay. caramels it a little bit okay. into the okay. end zone. I'm just, I'm just checking because the, the one he put into the hands of Stephon Diggs that he no. kind of jumped up like a drunk frat boy and missed. I, yeah. I just want to make sure on that one that, that that's not the one you were referring to. It, okay. it is we're good. not. We're good. It is not. No, and, and to be clear, I, I'm not putting Josh Allen down. I, I think he's a great player. I think he turns over the ball a little bit too much, but he didn't do that in the, in the postseason, right? I mean, if you look at what happened in that game, Josh Allen is absolutely not the reason that the Bills lost to the Chiefs, okay? And, and just like I would say that Brock Purdy really is not the reason that the, the 49ers lost to the Chiefs on Sunday. I mean, it's just... Sometimes, even if you are really good, the other team is just better, right? And that's just the Chiefs now have the kind of experience where they can go into games and they can be in different situations and they can say, oh, look, we're down 10. That's fine. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. You know, they've been down 24. I was talking to Justin Reed um, after the game, you know, and he said that, look, I mean, I've been on the other side of Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things. That was in 2019 when Reed was uh, with the Texans and they were up 24 to nothing in the divisional round and Mahomes brings them all the way back and they end up winning that game, what, 51 to 33 or whatever the hell it was. Like, these are the kinds of things that Patrick Mahomes has done over the last six years. And I mean, I don't know what you do to slow it down, especially because he's only gonna get better the more, the more, and more experience he gets. It, it, it's, a, and I just find that fun to watch. I'm sorry. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk is with us with Damon, Candy, and Cofield here on this Tuesday. I'll give you a little Midwest nice, but kind of maybe it's more like Utah nice. Did you see the note from your guy Pete King about uh, Andy Reid texting Antonio Pierce and thanking him? <laughs> I did see that. Yes. I thought that that was interesting because it was one of those uh, deals where, I mean, look, when I was watching that game on Christmas Day, I was very convinced that the Chiefs might win the AFC West, but they're not going to win. They may not win a playoff game. And then, you know, if I had known that it would be sub-zero temperatures and they were going to play Miami, I wouldn't have thought that, right? Like there was no way Miami was going to win that game. They could have played that game 10 times and Miami would have lost it in those conditions. But um, I, I I did not necessarily think that they could go up to Buffalo and handle that the way that they did or go to Baltimore, handle that the way that they did. Um, but it was the wake-up call that came on Christmas Day that really ratcheted up the urgency because, look, I mean, what, Aiden O'Connell didn't complete a pass after the first freaking quarter and they still won. I mean, they beat the brakes off the Chiefs at home so that was something that i thought was interesting where andy reed said like yeah you know it's really nice to use the facility and also you know you really gave us the wake-up call we needed and look we're super bowl champs but they weren't at the time when he sent the text but now they are miles i have a theory to run by you and i'm curious what you think about it because Boy. i'm going to i'm going to say something that is going to be sacrilege to all of the prisoners of the moment I feel like what Patrick Mahomes did successfully in the playoffs this year, especially in the Super Bowl, was that he actually morphed from Superman into the ultimate game manager. The Kansas City Chiefs defense won the AFC playoffs and the Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes very simply did not make mistakes. And it's almost like he understood that he didn't have the receivers and the offensive line to 
become freelance Patrick Mahomes who extends plays and wings it 30 yards downfield. There just wasn't a lot of that this year. Whenever he was last allowed to do that, which I don't know, when do you think it was? 2019 before the advent of the two high shells. But like he seemed to fully embrace and accept what this team was and understand that if he could avoid Kadarius Tony derping a ball to Brian Branch like in the opening night of the season, that this defense probably was good enough to get them where they ended up. I would counter that by saying that if we're going to call him the ultimate game manager, like I think game managers don't necessarily do ball placement um, as well as Patrick Mahomes, and they don't necessarily make plays with their legs as well as Patrick Mahomes. It's the, it's the same issue that I would take with simply labeling Brock Purdy as, as a game manager, right? I, I think that those kind those guys, game managers, can't necessarily um, – extend plays with their legs and they can't do things off schedule when things start to break down right they, they have to be a part of the system like a Jimmy Garoppolo you know if things are going well and then you'll be able to do it Jared Goff I would call more of an ultimate game manager than a, a Patrick Mahomes or a Brock Purdy I mean I, I just think about that first touchdown throw we had against Baltimore I mean back shoulder front right front right corner of the end zone you know, ball only where Patrick, excuse me, where Travis Kelsey can get it. And, and Hamilton, who is one of the league's better safeties already, just in his second year, you know, he can't do anything about it because the ball is perfectly thrown, even though he's got great coverage on Kelsey. Game managers can't do that. You know, the last, the, the drive in overtime where Mahomes goes eight of eight and he also runs it, you know, for a first down, that's, a couple first downs that those are things that game managers aren't doing. So that's, I, I understand your point, And I think that he did adjust his game, um, especially because we only saw really one deep throw and that was the one to Hardman. And then Isaiah Pacheco fumbles it and they don't score off of that. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I would, I think he does too much too well to be considered the ultimate game manager. Right. That to me is more Jared Goff. I want to circle back to the quarterbacks. Cause a little while ago you said it wasn't Brock Purdy's fault that the 49ers lost this game. I love to play the blame game. So whose fault is it? Um, It's partially Kyle Shanahan, partially Steve Wilkes. I mean, it, it's Patrick Mahomes' fault because they're better, right? I, it's, you know, I, I thought that um, the 49ers came out there with an urgency that certainly wasn't there in the first two rounds of the playoffs that they played in the divisional and the AFC champ or NFC championship game. Um, and I, I think part of that was what happened with the Lions, you know, in that first half. The defense just, they nearly gave up 150 yards rushing. And so maybe that was one of the best things that could have happened because they just came out with a different level of, I don't know, badassery, if you will, right? Like they did not want to let the Chiefs do anything. If Travis Kelsey only has one catch for one yard in the first half, you've got a great defensive game plan. So I commend Steve Wilkes for that. But I mean... Look, Patrick Mahomes is a special player. You know, the bounce of the ball doesn't go right when it hits off the 49ers' foot and Ray Ray McLeod does the right thing and tries to recover the football and he doesn't do it because the thing is oblong. It bounces weird. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I have a hard time blaming, blaming anybody um, on the 49ers when that game could have gone either way, but the Chiefs did what they had to do on defense and on offense and on special teams at the most critical moments of the game. Yeah, I'll blame Kyle Shanahan a lot, so I'm not going to be as nice. Okay. Um, first of all, the numbers are starting to pile up here. In six playoff games as a head coach or an OC, the fourth quarter for those teams or overtime, 
Little Shanny's combined score is 12 plus 85 for them. That's terrible. It is bad. And and his approach in the third quarter set up then, you know, a weird approach late in the game, and obviously not knowing the overtime is a big one. I don't know what happens to him. It's just like he just suddenly decides to go away from the bread and butter and set up the opponent, in this case, for a comeback. And then I just, I just hated down the stretch any chance to – not give the ball back to Mahomes where he, you know, you only have a field goal gap. I just, I think you have to do everything you can to score as many points as you can. And that's every coach, but, but against Mahomes, you can't leave time on the clock and you got to make sure you're scoring touchdowns. I just, I don't get it, man. He just, I don't, I don't think there's a clutch thing, but he just, he, he doesn't win in the fourth quarter in the biggest games. Well, I, I mean, I, it's hard to dispute that when, you know, he's lost in the fourth quarter of the biggest games, right? Uh, um, but what I would say is, A, I don't put that uh, Super Bowl that they lost to Tom Brady with Atlanta. That's on Dan Quinn, man. That's not on him. Dan Quinn's the head coach, and Dan Quinn needs to be screaming at Kyle Shanahan, hey, make sure we don't snap the ball before there's two seconds left on the play clock. And if you watch rewatch that game, which I have a few times, like, you notice – in that fourth quarter, they're not bleeding the clock out as much as they need to. And that is part one of the things that's insane to me. However, again, that's more on the head coach than it is the offensive coordinator at that time. But that's a long, long time ago. And look, if you think about all the things that have happened um, with the 49ers, two times now they've had leads of 10 points on Kansas City in the Super Bowl, and they couldn't stop it. Right? They gave it up. Um, and realistically, they could have and possibly probably should have lost that thing in regulation because Rashi Rice was open over the middle and, you know, hey, Mahomes instead goes to Kelsey on the left side, which I understand. I'm probably going to 87 at that point, too. But, you know, it, it was it was a it was a significant collapse um, in, in this. And, you know, Mike Florio, who I obviously work with at Pro Football Talk, has now posited the question, does Kyle Shanahan need a change of scenery? And I don't think that that's really the case. I think that the 49ers, especially going into next year with Brock Purdy still at the minimum, minimum contract he can have as a quarterback being the last pick of the draft, like there is reason to think that they can be back and that they can be better next year. Um, but at a certain point, yeah, it, it stinks when you have been in a situation where you could win the big one and you have it. You know, um, it's just it, it, unfortunately sometimes the way the cookie crumbles. Usher halftime. What are we settling on? One to ten score. I haven't watched it back um, since I've been home, but I I would give it a solid eight. I I really liked it. You know, maybe even eight and a half. Like I I, I thought it was great being in the stands. You know, and I, I felt the energy. Maybe it was because I could see all the lights from, you know, the lanyards and people had those things in the crowd. But I, I, I really enjoyed it. They brought out Ludacris at the end with Lil John, and they did, yeah. And it brought me back to my days in, you know, middle school and high school. I, I, I thought it was great. I mean, it was not the best ever. Like, it wasn't Dr. Dre and Eminem and all those guys from a few years ago. Exactly. I didn't know. I don't even know that it was as good as Rihanna last year. Certainly wasn't Beyonce. Certainly mm-hmm. wasn't Prince. But, I thought it was for a halftime show. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, last one. Have we made Las Vegas slot machines too complicated for even the <laughs> above average intelligence <laughs> folks like Mike Florio? Apparently. I mean, I don't know uh, much about it. I'm not a gambler, so I didn't use yeah. a slot machine in the time that I was there. So maybe it's not as complicated as it looks. But Florio sometimes tends to complicate things that are not as complicated as they are. There you go. Ooh, that's ooh, ooh, that's an off-the-air conversation. Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter. <laughs> <Such a space. laughs> um, 
By the way, we were talking earlier about 40 minutes ago about football you know, still being king. Uh, right after the Super Bowl, I assume Peacock's not shutting things down in terms of football talk. It, like this, this goes on with almost no break, yeah, all the way through uh, basically the first week of May. Like you guys are going to be trucking along, right? Oh, uh, certainly, yeah. P- PFT Live will still be on Peacock daily. Uh, that thing starts at 4 a.m. Pacific time, but you can watch the replays every single day. Peter King Podcast. We will still be doing that throughout the off season as well. And of course, you can catch all of the uh, football news at ProFootballTalk.com. But yeah, Steve, two weeks from today, I will be in Indianapolis for the combine. So it does not stop. It does not stop. Uh, I'll say one last thing: you comparing uh, Indy in terms of convenience to Vegas. Nice point, but uh, enjoy when you're on the ground in Indianapolis and you look around and you're like, there's seven restaurants here. There were 5,000 in Las Vegas, and we're all going again to the stupid steakhouse. So good luck with that. I like the steakhouse, all right? Yes. Steakhouse Everyone great. does. Everyone does, but there needs to be like 40 of them. All right, Miles. I'll talk to you, gentlemen. There he is, Miles Simmons. Uh, on the way back, boy, Candy's smart. Isn't he, DeMond? He, the smartest. That game, ma- that game manager thing. I want to take that, the Patrick Mahomes of this season and that Super Bowl, let's do a quarterback comparison on that, right? Because I'll tell you, the whole time I was thinking of Adam Hill, and I'm like, Patrick Mahomes is a rich man's Tyrod Taylor. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. What I was saying earlier, Candy, I really meant that that uh, that point about the ever-changing game of Patrick Mahomes and his ability to adjust to what the Chiefs need is really a brilliant point. And, and Mahomes actually said something along those lines after they won the AFC Championship, and he said, "You know, I I looked at the way you know Tom operated. He was talking about Tom Brady, and." You know, I, I don't need to go out there and make all these spectacular plays. Just make the plays, not make mistakes. But here, here's the great thing about calling Patrick Mahomes a game manager because their defense was so good. And we mentioned yesterday the number that the Chiefs had to go through the top four offenses uh, on DVOA in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, and they held them to 15.8 points per game, right? So think about this also goes for a guy like John Elway, and I'm, I'm curious if you guys can think of other guys who at some point in their career they are like, you know what, man, i got to stop with the, the freaking riverboat gambling thing. Um, I don't need to do that. We have other strengths on the team. So Elway's one of them. Brady late in his career. I mean, Brady was still very good with the Buccaneers, but when they won that title, that was a lot about the defense. Those guys did it when they were like 37 and 40, not 28. I think you left out maybe the best example of all of them and that's late career Denver Broncos Peyton Manning uh, where physically it wasn't there anymore right but mentally it was mentally he knew how to not get in the way of an all-world defense and it's not quite there with Mahomes and that's why I said the ultimate game manager right because what Patrick Mahomes did this year was come playoff time he had sussed out who he could throw the ball to and who he couldn't anymore. And that's how you end up with, as Trey Wingo told us earlier, the quarterback who had the most drop passes of any quarterback in football this year, that's how he only ends up with five drop passes in the playoffs against 15 balls thrown away. Count them, 15. 
You know how many balls Patrick Mahomes threw away in the postseason last year? Five. When Patrick Mahomes realized that the play was breaking down and it wasn't going to happen, he doesn't have Tyreek Hill to bust open behind the defense and just heave it up anymore. You know who he has? MVS, who he doesn't trust to run behind the defense and catch the ball. Hello, Philadelphia game. So, And you saw what he did at the end of the other game where he threw it up like they were playing three flies up for MVS to be able to catch that ball at the end of that game. It's not a slight to call him the ultimate game manager. The man adjusted to what his team needed out of him, and yet he still did that better than what everyone else could do. His average depth of target in these playoffs was seven yards. His average yards per attempt was seven yards. Two years ago, it was 8.7. He's just not throwing the ball down the field the same way anymore when he doesn't feel like he has the guys to go make a play for him. And that, to me, is someone who understands I can do everything, but the guys around me can't, and I need to let them do what they do best. And it turns out what we do best on this team is play defense. I love it. I love it. That's such a good observation. So for you, Candy, am I being a little too hard on Shanahan when I mentioned his OC, head coach, playoff game, fourth quarter performance? His teams are down 85 to 12 over time. And I actually, I wouldn't, if I were Jed York and I was objective and I could actually see what's in front of me, I would move on. I'll give you a scenario. If Jed York could be objective on this, and I don't think he is, because I think he's afraid of the unknown, and he's got a guy right now who they win, and they've gotten the Super Bowls. But if if I'm Jed York, and I go to uh, John Lynch, and I'm like, listen, this is what I want. I don't believe that Kyle Shanahan can win a Super Bowl for us. I'm sorry. I'm going to give you this for... Head coach, NOC. I'm going to pay Pete Carroll $12 million a year for the next three years. And I'm going to pay Ben Johnson to be the OC, $6 million a year to be the OC. I want those two to run the organization. I want to win a Super Bowl. I'm tired of falling short. What would John Lynch do? You're in a situation if you're the San Francisco 49ers, where you've now lost twice in the Super Bowl to the guy who is on the path to becoming the greatest quarterback in history. You've had a 10-point lead on him twice, and I don't know that you've lost because of the plays that Kyle Shanahan has called. You've lost because when you needed plays at the biggest time, it became Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy who had to make the plays, as opposed to being on the other side of the field where you said, Patrick Mahomes, go make me a play. Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo making a play requires everything else to go right. And over the course of 17 regular season games and two playoff games and most of the Super Bowl, it had. But when the margin is as thin as it is against the AFC champion, and I would have said this against the Ravens, I say it against the Chiefs because that's the situation we're in. What you have to ask yourself is, How random do you think the playoffs are? Because if you think they're random, you keep running Kyle Shanahan's offense back out there and his ability to take a world-beating group of skill position players 
And you look at that defense and you say, we need another corner. And you look at that offensive line and you say, the interior of this line sucked this year. <laughs> then you look and just say, okay, we need to fortify a couple positions. And like Miles said, we have a quarterback on a cheap contract and we can do that. But if you're Jed York, with what you just said, you look at what's happened to this team and you've lost twice to Patrick Mahomes and you've lost once to Matthew Stafford, objectively better quarterbacks than whoever you've lined up on the other side. And you caught a bad break last year with Purdy getting hurt against the Eagles. And so you've put yourself in position time and time again to do this. But the question is, what happened with Trey Lance? And I know that might sound like a bit of a tangent here, but if the Kyle Shanahan offense doesn't work with the uber arm, super talented, make your own decisions quarterback, if it works with a paint by numbers guy, can a paint by numbers guy beat Patrick Mahomes? Because that's the reality that everybody has to face for the next seven to eight years in the NFL at the very least. It, do I have what it takes to beat Patrick Mahomes? Everybody had to do it with Jordan. Everybody had to do it with Steph Curry. Everybody had to do it with LeBron. Do I have what it takes to beat that team? And if you're the Niners, I don't think it's crazy that you have to at least ask the question. All right. By the way, any uh, anyone out there who's objecting to the idea that Ben Johnson would move over laterally, um, I'm giving him more money. And by the way, just like we didn't know about this, just like they did in Patriot Land with Gerard Mayo, Ben, when you signed the contract, part of it is coach in waiting. So when Pete's done after his three years, you take over the Niners. But here's the thing. I have no money. My creativity is unappreciated. And there are too many NFL owners who operate what really should be a vanity project in fear. So they won't do anything. And we'll go into next year, and we'll have the same argument. Uh, oh, Brock Purdy, uh, he's, you know, it's not his fault. And, oh, look at Shanahan, you know, the, the offensive porn here. Oh, it's so wonderful to watch. And then when they have a chance – I don't know, man. I, I, right now, they're the Super Bowl favorite for next year. We, we hashed it out yesterday. I mean, a lot of it is because it looks like the rest of the NFC is just okay. We don't know about the Eagles. We don't know what's going to happen with the Cowboys. I mean, think about this. We have some doubts right now about Kyle Shanahan. I mean, head-to-head, -head, Kyle Shanahan against Nick Sirianni, or head-to-head, -head, Kyle Shanahan against Mike McCarthy, complete mismatch. Right? Complete mismatch. I just need to clarify something for a second. Yeah. Was that offensive porn or offensive porn? Uh, offensive porn. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, sorry. Yeah. I just want to make sure that we know what we like about Kyle Shanahan. I thought you had some inside knowledge that I didn't. No, no, no. We, we'll, have a story, we'll have a story about uh, offensive porn in the uh, 545. Oh, oh, lovely. Yeah. Damon's prepping that right now, actually. Deep dive. All right, Damon. Am I getting crazy on little Shanny? I don't think so, Steve. I don't know how – maybe not – wait one more year. One more year. That's all I'm saying. But your plan isn't bad. Um, I mean, I think we can go one more year. I feel like it's it's wasting some prime of guys like uh, Christian McCaffrey and, and Bosa, and you see how thin the margin is when Drake Greenlaw is trying to run on the field and it's like, oh, you know, bl blows out an Achilles. Um, every year – They've actually had pretty decent luck. I mean, last year was obviously a disaster at quarterback, you know, at the end of the season. Go ahead, Demond. Have you guys seen the um, – this team might already be imploding? 
Brandon Ayuk, he's putting out the social yeah. media fillers. Of, he's put posting stuff on his story. Oh, he doesn't know. His wife's talking. Hey, this might be the last time. And then there was something with a f- couple of starting offensive linemen where there were just some tweets being fired off of, hey, you missed that block. No, what happened was someone's not supposed to go for a cut, but for a cut block here. Yeah. And and it's get, it's getting nasty with the 49ers. I think they've been broken a little bit mentally. Well, it's also a couple of days after the Super Bowl, so emotions are still running high. But the I thought the Ayuk thing, uh, once the family's out there, uh, I mean, everyone should know, Ayuk is under contract for next year. They already picked up his fifth-year option. He's making like 14 7 a year next year for one year. Now I understand once everyone gets in this position and he just had a really good year, you want an extended deal, but like, what are we doing here? And I'm, I'm sure John Lynch is just like, let him blow off some steam. So if you want him to blow off some steam, that's totally fine. I'm going to suggest to anybody who hasn't seen it yet, go check out the breakdown that Jeff Schwartz did on Twitter of the final San Francisco offensive play in overtime before the field goal because what he breaks down from an offensive line perspective, and if you don't know Jeff Schwartz, longtime NFL offensive lineman, he basically says Shanahan called this complicated protection on that play when you know Steve Spagnuolo is going to bring the damn house. A play where if you watch it closely, the center is pulling out to the side and you've got the blocker coming across the formation. It's like, dude, you're basically putting all of this on Brock Purdy to either figure out how to slide the protection or how to make a hot throw against some of the best cornerbacks in football. Wow. If the whole idea is that you want this to be paint by numbers and you want it to be easy, you made that play as hard on Brock Purdy as it could have. So, Candy, we just got done with the Super Bowl here. And you've been here longer than me, about seven years longer than I have. I got here in 96. You were here in 89, so mm-hmm. you've been around Vegas for a long time. I was going to say you've been through it all. We, we haven't gone through anything. Doesn't mean the was. The, the, the city grew and went pro sports wasn't – major league sports wasn't uh, part of our game plan You know, back in the day. But you said you drove by Allegiant and you were yeah. basically were just like, my God, the it's, game it's is here. It's a moment. It's, it's just a moment that hits you when, when – you get yourself out of the day-to-day, this party is here and this media availability is here. And, and I I had to pull over on the 215 because the 49ers team buses were going back to Lake Las Vegas. Like, you know, like the, the, the day-to-day stuff of it. And you just think back over the course of time about the way this NFL organization has always felt about Las Vegas, right? Back in the day when you couldn't talk about Las Vegas, you couldn't have an ad for come to Las Vegas. You remember very well the old the old PD from back in the day, John Henson, trying to get uh, questions out to to Goodell in in the Super Bowl press conference about all of this and, and about Vegas and and just the the thoughts of irreparable harm of the NFL ever having a footprint in Vegas, and then thinking this isn't the center of the NFL for this day alone. This is the center of Earth. On that day, it is a, you know, and and no, listen, for all of you news hounds out there who want to point to bigger things in the world that ended up happening on Super Bowl Sunday, I'm with you. I saw it. I get it. But in terms of what we were planning for on Super Bowl Sunday, that is the epicenter of the world. And it is the sports organization that has crossed over into pop culture 
with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey as America's sweethearts. It is that organization saying the city that we swore off as Sodom and Gomorrah times 10 is now the place where we're going to not only do this this year, but baby, we're coming back and doing it year after year. Yep. It's it's just wild to me. I, I don't get me wrong. I love it. It's awesome for Vegas. It's awesome for everyone. It's just still a mind blower. That's yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And you know the funny thing is, I'll I don't know. I'll, I'll talk about say like the the year two thousand. Does someone want to sing it from SNL? Um, In the year two thousand. Perfect. Perfect one. I did Church Lady. Did I do Church Lady? Was that yesterday or Friday? And. and uh, you know, I, I don't know if you you did that. I, I'll just give for before not anyone H, not, gets to not, correcting Cofield. We know yeah. it's from Conan. Not a oh, I said SNL. Okay, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a great bit. Um, so I'll go back to 2000, and I, and I've been saying this forever. I I still feel like from a sports standpoint, and and really a, the gambling standpoint too. Vegas may as well be in Siberia. Because people know nothing about the city outside the market. And when they try to, they so poorly source it. Um, we had Mike McCarthy on last week from Front Office Sports. I really like him. But he's a New York guy. And he throws out a, a tweet uh, yesterday. says, NFL love Vegas, but there's one powerful business group that does not want the Super Bowl back. Casino operators. The big game drives away the gambling, quote, whales valued by casinos. Instead, they get football fans who don't hit the blackjack and craps tables. That is so poorly sourced. And you know you know what happens in this town. There is a group, and you see them with, uh, what's the one guy? I forget his handle, but the, the guy, Scott, the jabroni, who's whatever. Oh, uh, the uh, Vital Vegas or Las yeah, Vegas yeah. local or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You, you see it when the source is just one group. Or maybe just one casino operator. Like every sport. By the way, this is another one. Every sports book. Well, if you talk to one sports book person and they're like, they need this team and they're going to get killed on this. And then you start asking like 10 of them and they're like, no, nah, that's not my case. Mine's totally different. But people don't realize like they're not all one business. All right. They all operate independently. Um, and it's the same thing with casino operators. Um, I just know this. I don't have access. I mean, I could. It would take me a couple of days to casino operators, but I have access to people who get to talk to their bosses. And I ran it by at least a couple of people that the the Super Bowl is not good for Vegas because the whales aren't here. And they both either answered or looked at me and they were like, what? No, I don't think that's the case. Um, and, 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 and the thing is, anyone who says that is a little short-sighted. Look at what this city has evolved into in terms of where we stream our revenue from, right? This is not freaking, you know, the casino era. This is not the 90s. We've become a more versatile market in terms of drawing in money. And who can put a value on, like, oh, the whales weren't here. Some of, you know, some of our big players didn't want to come to town because it's too crowded. Who can put value on the amount of publicity and marketing and brand building that Vegas got through the Super Bowl and what it's going to do moving forward, Candy? I mean, who, who can so, come up with that number? Um, after the game ended, and I don't have last year's comparison to put with this, but after the Super Bowl ended in the next 24 to 48 hours, 
525 private jets departed Las Vegas. <laughs> I think there was plenty of money in town. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Damon is here in the uh, Finley Toyota Studios. Candy and Cofield on the road here in Fresno tomorrow. Uh, later start, guys. Later start. So uh, uh, we got UNLV at Fresno with an 8 p.m. start. Run Rebel warm up tomorrow goes at 7:30. Tonight, though, big night around the Mountain West Conference, guys. As uh, New Mexico is taking on Reno. The betting on this, I actually bet Reno about uh, four hours ago, something like that, uh, laying a point at home. Now, the crazy thing is in this game, Candy, it was 16 days ago that New Mexico beat Alford's team 89-55. to But this is college basketball, and it's weird. Is it not? You mean college basketball, the sport where the Rebels <clears throat> went to the pit and won just a couple of weeks after a group of cadets yes. walked into the Thomas and Mac and slapped them around like they'd never played basketball before? Right. Yeah. Yes. Air Force almost hung 100 on them on their home floor. It's, uh, it's all about matchups. Obviously, uh, the NBA is different than college basketball. A lot of it is on momentum, focus. Kids can be up and down. Uh, so tonight we actually have a couple games. So New Mexico's taking on the Wolfpack. Who is this a bigger game for? The Pack, who have kind of – they picked it up a little bit, but they're in the middle of the Pack in the Mountain West Conference, and their numbers aren't – they're solid. They're not unbelievable in the net. Or is it New Mexico to kind of get this thing straightened out? Oh, it's it – to me, there's no question it's New Mexico because the expectations yeah. are on New Mexico. And what you really need in the end, if you're the Mountain West, you don't need six good teams. You need a couple of great teams to come out of this thing. And New Mexico still has time to turn this thing back the right direction. But it's got to start with a game like this. Because if you go up to Reno and lose and, and we end up coming down the stretch with a bunch of 10-6 and six teams... That does not lead to long-term success for this conference. That does not lead to getting more units paid out by the NCAA tournament for having more bids. It just leads to a bunch of teams in the last four out. Now, back when you had people getting all fired up, including some national people who for some reason have really glommed onto, and it's a good thing because they pushed the Mountain West Conference, but when they were pushing out there, six teams could make it. I'm like, six teams are not making it from the Mountain West Conference. Uh, first, in name, there's no way they're giving the Mountain West six. Secondly... The conference is way too balanced, and it's really hard to win on the road, and it's all going to be cannibalized. So be happy with four, and that could, the fourth could be a swing team. That, that means everything has to go right in the conference tournament and everything has to go right around the country. You know, it's interesting. Damon, I know you, you watched that game the other day, and I've watched Jamal Mashburn and House for a long time now. The two times I've watched them now, up close, and I wasn't in New Mexico for it, I I will bet you there are times, guys, that Richard Pitino is looking at his players on the floor and he is like, my God, Jalen House and Mashburn are driving me effing nuts. Like, I think deep down there's probably times where he's like, I wish I could just play Donovan Dent 
and true Washington all the time instead of these knuckleheads. Steve, I'm back. I'm back on it. Top three team in the Mountain West. Not New Mexico. You're back on it with? UNLV, baby. (laughs) Text in and tell me I'm wrong the next time they lose a game. I don't care. Candy, what do you think? I I don't care. I just want to know where you're going in Fresno tonight. I know you got a big night planned. Um, There's a chain of Mexican restaurants. I will probably hit one of those. Uh, Bobby Salazar's. It's not good. I I just like the scene. And last time I went there, they had karaoke. And there's a real dive bar called the the. Uh, I thought it was called the Shanty, but I was looking looking it up. It's called the Brig, and it is like the scourge of the earth. And I absolutely belong there. I feel so comfortable there. And beyond that, who knows, man? I might be doing, you know, all you can eat bottomless wings, cheap brewskis. It could be a visit to Applebee's. It's very exciting here in Fresno. I'll see you guys. Great job, Demond. Great job, Candy. <laughs>